Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. My guest today is Kate Elizabeth Russell, who is a writer based in Oregon. You might know her name from her amazing debut novel called My Dark Vanessa, which was published in 2020. It has been translated into 35 languages. It was both a Sunday Times bestseller and a New York Times bestseller. Stephen King himself described it as a hard story to read and a harder one to put down, a package of dynamite, which is the most incredible quote. I love this book. I read it in 2019 when The Proof came out. I remember reading it and gobbling it up on a summer holiday, pre-COVID, and it really was a book that just stayed with me, and we talk about it in this episode. The story alternates between Vanessa's past and present, juxtaposing memory and trauma. It's been described as an era-defining novel that brilliantly captures and reflects our shifting culture that is transforming our relationships and society itself. It's an incredible nuanced book. Uh, We dig into it a little bit in this episode. So hope you enjoy. And if you're interested in a really gripping, beautifully thought-provoking novel, I really recommend picking up a copy, which is now available in paperback. Just a quick mention that Kate's book touches on sexual abuse and trauma, which we do talk about in this episode. So just a heads up before you continue listening, or if you want to click off, if it's not something you want to listen to today. So I read My Dark Vanessa in the summer of 2019, which seems like ages ago. It was a good summer. Um, but I read your, I read The Proof and I I remember my boyfriend actually being annoyed with me because I could not put it down. Oh my God, I inhaled it. I'm sure you hear that a lot from people, but oh, I was gripped. So congratulations on an incredible book. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, and it's um, throughout the whole sort of publication journey, one of my favorite and really one of the most interesting things has been hearing about other people's reading experiences with the book. Um, Because that's something like as a reader myself, I've of course experienced like these sometimes like really intense reading experiences of a novel that feels like really immersive. And um, I can look back and remember like what I was doing when I was reading the book or even sometimes what I was eating. and then hearing other people describe their own experience of reading my book that way is really um, surprisingly like really fulfilling for me. So I love to hear it. Oh, good. good. Yeah, that's so funny. Actually, I do remember exactly what I ordered food by the pool. And I think, yeah, it feels very personal when you're reading a book like yours, you're going on such a journey. And it's like, if no one else is reading it, you kind of don't want to talk to them (laughs) because you only want to talk about the book. And that is the smug feeling of getting a proof because no one else had one. Um, But I mean, I read in an interview that you did that you spent 18 years on it, writing it, working. It shows in the writing, obviously. But what was that like working on something for, you know, a huge part of your life? Yeah, it, um, I mean, to a certain extent, it was just my life. Like it was just sort of what I did when I had any spare time at all. It was always the thing that I, writing was always the thing that I wanted to be doing through those, those entire um, 
18 years when I was working on it. So when I first started working with these characters when I was a teenager, it was sort of like going home after school every night and um, avoiding my schoolwork and and just writing. Um, And then through college, I was able to study creative writing. So I was able to sort of um, bring the book into my academic studies, and then I continued and and got a, a master's in creative writing and eventually a PhD. So I sort of went the academic route, I guess, to to try to make um, space and support in my life um, for my writing habit. Um, mm-hmm. But it was it was really just an an obsession. And um, after a while, I would say definitely by the time I was in my mid twenties, I had made peace with the idea of this never being finished and certainly never being published. It was just something, writing it was just something that I had to do. Um, But I did manage to finish it and get a complete draft and send it out in the world. And and it sort of became the book, My Dark Vanessa, that's out there today. But um, it was, it was a journey. And um, this really is the the dream come true ending that I never even really allowed myself to to envision. It's incredible, because also, I think for any artist, you know, spending that amount of time on something, I'm assuming from what I've read in your interviews, you you do sound proud of the book. And I love reading that because a lot of a lot of authors sort of doubt themselves and they're like oh I don't know I could have worked more on it or I'm not sure if it's properly but I feel like with you it felt like no here it is and I've spent a long time on it yeah I am proud of it I mean I do think of course I could have made it better in the way that I could you know one could make anything better if they keep um you know plugging away at it but I do feel like I reached an end point with this writing process for this book. And, and, and it went through so many different forms, so many different revisions. And by the time I finished it, it had gone through the process of being my PhD dissertation. And so I had done all this sort of extra work around it of making it fit into um, this sort of like theoretical framework. And I had gone through the vetting process of being, you know, approved by a committee and and I'd been like um, sort of tested in that way. And so by the time um, yeah, by the time I finished it, it did feel, it felt very solid and, um, it felt like something that I really had poured myself into for, for years and years and years. And so it's, it's, it's hard for me not to be proud of that, I guess. Totally. And I guess in 2019, there was so much buzz and so much hype and it was so exciting to see it. And I mean, I had a book come out in 2020, so I feel a little bit of your pain there, but (laughs) how was it with the book coming out in a way that wasn't how you imagined? Because I actually saw uh, another author on Twitter recently saying that in a weird way, it makes you appreciate the work itself and not the shiny stuff because you Mm. realize that the validation actually isn't the reason why we make stuff, but it's still so, so disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It it is disappointing and I feel like I'm just now getting to the point where I'm able to look back and really recognize that like oh yeah I didn't get to have a book tour I didn't get to meet any readers face to face I didn't get to um sort of have those 
really exciting markers that as as an author you sort of um imagine for yourself with with your first book coming out I guess and yeah there's a lot of grief in that but at the same time of course it's easy to keep perspective because the the situation that prevented us from having our book tours is so much bigger than our measly Mm -hmm. little books right so so it's easy to keep perspective that way but um yeah it's been I feel personally like the experience of having um, my Dirk Vanessa come out really right at the start of COVID. I mean, my my book was published in the U.S. at least on March 10th, and it was declared a global pandemic, I think, on March 11th. So it coincided pretty much exactly. And it has kept the experience of, of publishing the book strangely intimate because I feel like I've experienced so much of it just on my phone through social media. That's how I connect with readers. That's how I see the book being read. And so it's this weird experience of knowing that it's out in the world and the book is sort of doing its own thing and I'm watching it, but my life hasn't really my my life I guess has stayed really contained because I'm staying home. So it's this weird um juxtaposition I guess that Mm -hmm. um yeah I don't know if other authors have felt this well I know there was a lot of media attention around the book obviously and a lot of people like prodding and poking at you and you know as as it happens with a lot of female authors as, as well around such topics I wondered if actually did it make it easier or harder the fact that you were at home? Because I know I think I read somewhere that you did, had to delete your Twitter and stuff like that. But I wondered if, in a way, it would have been really intense to have to go out on a stage as well as have all that happen. Yeah, absolutely. I have thought about that. I think, um, yeah, I mean, okay, so I'm on Instagram and I feel really comfortable in that space. There's something about Instagram that feels kind of cozy to me, maybe because a lot of the interaction I have at least with with followers is just in the comment section of my post. And that feels like a space where um, people can, I don't know, people are generally friendly and, and people feel I think that they can be a little vulnerable. And a lot of readers sort of use that space to tell me how much the book meant to them. And and it's, it's a wonderful space to connect. Um, but yeah, that's sort of where I feel um, the most confident and comfortable. And it is a little difficult for me to imagine feeling that same way at a live event, I guess, with with anyone being able to ask me any question that might veer off into um, sort of invasive territory that does... Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see with with my second book if if things are back to normal then and a book tour happens um how how that might go. But for for the time being, yeah, um being stuck on social media isn't necessarily the worst thing. Yeah. It's so interesting to me that link between the author and the promotion of a book because I I've got to say when I was reading My Dark Vanessa, I didn't once like not once think, "Oh, I wonder if the author has been through this I really didn't. And I've done it before with many books. I've always made that link of like, oh, this could be autobiographical. But I was so lost in your story. I, I, it, it was so removed from like my thoughts of the person writing it. So I, I was sort of shocked when that connection was like, it was almost like you 
had to say something on it yourself as you. Were you expecting that to happen? You know, I was. I was. And I think um, part of the reason why I expected it was because during my PhD program, I, I studied this. I studied the way that narratives of sexual abuse um, were received by readers, by critics. I sort of studied their publication journeys. I'm specifically, um, there were two memoirs that I looked at really closely. One was called The Kiss by Katherine Harrison. It was published in, um, I think, 1997. And another called Tiger, Tiger by Margot Fregroso that was published in, in 2012, I believe, 2011 or 2012. And both of those memoirs deal with sexual abuse in in very sort of confronting and uncomfortable ways. Um, Those are memoirs that that certainly challenge the idea of good victims and and challenge the idea of um, complicity and consent. And so they were sort of, they were both sort of good comps for my book. Um, And I I don't know. As, as a doctoral student, of course, I didn't have a book deal. I didn't have an agent. I didn't even have a complete manuscript. But I think something I somehow sensed that if I were to finish and publish the book that I had in me, that it might be treated in a similar way by by critics and, and readers and sort of the publication machine as a whole. And so I went into the publication process expecting um, scrutiny and skepticism and maybe a little bit unfair treatment. And that's why I, I really tried to go into the process with my eyes wide open and also thinking from the very beginning of the boundaries I wanted to create, I guess. And for me, that meant sort of drawing a line around myself and my personal mm-hmm. life and figuring out how I wanted to explain my personal connection to the work, because I think that's, you know, I don't think that's an ill-intentioned thing on the part of a reader or even a critic Mm -hmm. to sort of question that, Um, because if you're dealing with really sensitive subject matter as a writer, it seems sort of natural for your readers to want to know your own investment in this, right? That, That you're not just sort of coming to the material because you found it interesting or because you thought the book, it would make a bestseller, right? Um, And so Mm -hmm. that's really a a sort of delicate thing. It's a fine line to walk to figure out how much you want to share, knowing that you don't really um, owe anyone anything, but just how much you want to offer up as the writer and, and to figure out how you can make those connections with your readers without putting yourself on display. Yes, yes, definitely. I, I wrote a story about a child-free woman and I was ex- mm-hmm. definitely expecting for people to be like, oh, are you, you know, are you, are you the character? And I realized that I don't mind sharing bits of myself, but it was sort of wrapped up in like my partner and my mm-hmm. friends. And, and then you realize you're treading on other territory and it's, it's yeah, boundaries are so good. So good yes, to have. Absolutely. But I, I found the reading experience, it was so intense in a good way and I know that you've had incredible reviews I think Stephen King said it was like (laughs) an incredible dynamite experience but what I found so interesting is I was almost like policing my own thoughts when I was reading it because I would have thoughts of believing that Vanessa was empowered or that she was in control and then I thought actually this is 
someone like deeply traumatized and you know that gray area I guess I'm trying to say is is quite confusing for the reader and and I'm guessing that's the whole point of the book in many ways yeah I wanted that the reader to experience that confusion because this is Vanessa's story right and and so to for me to sort of render her voice accurately meant that I had to get the reader in Vanessa's shoes as as much as I possibly could. And I've seen some readers respond to the book by saying that they felt while they were reading like they were Vanessa. And to me, that's the highest compliment one can give this book because that's sort of the the thing that I was aiming for. And that, you know, that that meant that for me as the writer, I had to sort of guide the narrative into these really dark places um, and let the reader experience not just that confusion or or to experience that confusion and that ambiguity of trauma, not just from these scenes of grooming, but also these scenes of of explicit abuse, because that's that's a really important part of her story. Um, and you can't remove those instances of abuse from from this larger narrative. So yeah, when I was when I was writing this book, I had moments. Um, where it was difficult for me to sort of let go of my own sense of control and let Vanessa take over because it, it was a little frightening, I guess, to let her sort of um, take the reins and decide exactly where the story was going to go. But I had to, I had to do that because it's, it, it was her narrative the whole time. It was, it was never mine. Um, And when I start talking about writing process this way, I feel like I sound so sort of like woo woo or sort of out there, but um, it was just so all consuming for me. And, and Vanessa always felt very real. I feel like more real than any character I've ever worked with. Wow. I love woo-woo. You can never be too woo-woo. <laughs> yeah, love it. <laughs> but I, I definitely felt like that. I felt like um, I was, you know, feeling those feelings towards Jacob Strain along with her. And then that's why the flashbacks are so powerful because I think most women have done things in their earlier life and then they look back as like a 30-year-old and they kind of want to give their younger self a bit of a hug. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask actually about that, that how deeply invested, you know, and how much of your life this, this book has been a part of. Was there a period of mourning after the book was finished? Because I can imagine having spent all that time with Vanessa and then her going, was that a bit of a strange anticlimax afterwards? You know, I haven't experienced that yet. And I keep sort of bracing myself for it. But I think because I finished the book and then I sort of, started querying agents and then I found an agent and then um, found a publisher and then sort of the publication journey started. And then the book sort of came out 
And there were certainly all the sort of interviews that I was lucky enough to be able to do and, and the, the sort of um, work of actually publishing the book. Um, but I feel like COVID had something to do with maybe prolonging that, that grief of sort of mourning the, 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 the end of working on the book because it, it just put me in this um, sort of surreal state of just wanting to like get through the days and, and not um, let myself sort of delve too much into anxiety because the world has just felt so scary for the past, you know, 10 months or however long. Um, and now I've started working on my second book, which I'm still in the very early stages, but I, 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 I anticipated that shift to be harder to start working on on a new project, but it's been very easy. And so maybe this whole thing is just not going to be as hard as I thought it might be, which is which is a real relief and surprise. But anyway, yeah, I haven't I haven't felt that that grief or mourning over the book being being over. I guess because it lives on and I get to keep seeing it. Um, I get to see readers discover it and, and have it resonate with them. Um, and maybe that's, that's softened the blow a little bit. Totally. That makes so much sense. I, I was wondering kind of your thoughts as well of how this conversation has just become so mainstream, I suppose, because I was watching the morning show. Have mm-hmm. you seen it? I've seen, I think, the first two episodes, yeah. And I thought it was just so interesting because I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was like 2014 or something. Someone that I know, they mentioned Harvey Weinstein, but like just mentioned him mm-hmm. in conversation about films. And it was so weird and jarring to me because you would say that name now and everyone would fall silent. And is it interesting to you just how much has happened and changed in the last few years around that? It has, yeah. And it, you know, because I, I worked on this book, obviously, for such a long time. And throughout the course of working on it, I I kept sort of wrestling with these questions of consent and complicity and the prevalence of sexual violence and sort of how to make sense of that in a world that um, seems so... Um, you know, hell bent on normalizing it and and excusing these abuses of power. Like that was, I felt like I was sort of um, on my own to a certain extent, trying to figure all this out. And then when Me Too happened, it it felt like sort of a dam breaking, and all of these experiences and all of these insights sort of flooded, I think social media especially, but flooded, I think, um, our culture as a whole. And that that felt like a real relief. Um, and it also felt overwhelming, especially to me at the time, because I was still finishing up the book and it's like, well, oh my God, <laughs> like um, this thing I'm writing is playing out in real time. Like, what do I do with this? How do I make sense of this? Um, but yeah, it's it it continues to surprise me, and I, it's it's heartening to see um, this sort of to to see sexual violence be a topic that people feel like they can talk about 
and that they can engage with. Because I think one of the most harmful things is feeling like, oh, yes, we know that this kind of abuse happens, but it's not polite to talk about or, or we just don't want to acknowledge it. We don't want to go there. I think that sort of silencing, um, which is really every day and, and sort of ordinary, that can be the most harmful. So it's heartening to see that start to change. But at the same time, you, you also see men who were quote unquote canceled during Me Too sort of starting to come back and, and, and um, sort of restart their careers. And, and not that that's necessarily unexpected, but it also raises the question of like, well, what was actually achieved with Me Too? And I think part of the achievement was making these conversations more mainstream, but what do we do with, um, with people who were revealed to have um, sort of chronically abused their power? That's a question that I think is still very much there and that we have to grapple with. I know a lot of people as well think, oh, do people, will people now think that I've written about something because Me Too is happening now? Because I'm sure a lot of books mm. were commissioned around that, but... God, you had so much research behind you. It's incredible. I mean, I wanted to ask you actually, how how did you look after your own mental health during that all of that research? Because when you're buried in something like that, I can imagine it takes its toll a bit. Yeah, I mean it does. But at the same time, this is this is my life, you know? Like there's that there's that part in in my dear Vanessa, that a lot of readers really respond to when Vanessa is telling her therapist, like, I have to see this as a love story. Like, this is, this is my whole life. This has been my whole life. And, and that's me and the subject matter. I mean, this is what I'm drawn to. This is what I'm obsessed with. Um, This is what I will, I think, spend the rest of my life trying to figure out and unpack. And so, you know, I find the coping mechanisms that I think maybe other writers and artists who work with difficult subject matter maybe find like little moments of peace and, and joy that you can implement in your life on a daily basis. But I'm I'm just I'm just someone who's drawn to the dark stuff, and I'm happy to sort of um, languish in it, um, even if it makes me a bit of a freak. <laughs> But did you did was there anything surprising to you along the way? Was there anything that jumped out when you thought you you thought you thought a certain way and then you actually changed your mind on something? Or it's just such an interesting time we're in where we're told a lot of the time what to think and mm. pulling yourself away from that can be quite difficult sometimes. Yeah. One thing that has surprised me, actually since the book has come out, is how I I keep having these moments of feeling protective of the characters in my book and and I mean I expected that in regards to Vanessa it was always sort of difficult for me to imagine um letting her letting other people read her and and the judgments that readers might have of her but I find myself even being protective of strain um and not not wanting to defend him but but I don't know that's that's something that I'm still sort of working through because it has surprised me so much that sometimes I feel like I want to sort of um, 
throw my figurative arms around his character and, and tell people to leave him alone, which is the, which is absolutely not the PC response to an abusive character like him, right? But at the same time, he is my creation. And I, I guess I can't help but feeling a little protective of him. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's like birthing something, isn't it? I'm, I'm, <laughs> right. I'm, I know that people hate that. Like, it, you didn't birth a book, but you kind of did. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean, because I can imagine if you had a child and it, it did something really bad, you, mm-hmm. you there's a part of you that would see them as a human always. Right. But yeah, I, I love nuance. So this is why your book is so, so good. Um, but I'm glad you brought up the fact that you're that you're working on your second book because I really hate asking authors like what are you working on next because <laughs> personally it makes me go into a p- pool of sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, but how how is that going and is it a completely different process? It's it's going well. Like like it's going so well that I'm a little like superstitious about it. I guess. Um, but I'm also I'm in the early stages. And for me, that's always the fun of it, right? When I'm sort of looking just at the big picture, and I'm sort of imagining the whole narrative and sort of the wide scope of it. That's always very enjoyable for me. The hard part comes when I have to sit down and actually start writing scenes and 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 doing sort of the real, um, the real work of writing, I guess, is what I think of it. But it's, it's exciting and it's um, really reassuring too to to get back to the work and to remember that um, it's still sort of the same process even after having had a book out that it's still it's still just sitting it's still the the same process that I that I had when before I was published that's very reassuring to me um, but it's also I'm also finding it a real relief to sort of allow myself to have the same obsessions that I had with My Dark Vanessa. Like I always, when I was working on My Dark Vanessa, I always imagined any future writing career for myself would mean that I would have to move on to writing about completely different topics. And and this was maybe like my, this book was my one chance to like write about teenage girls, for example. And then I would have to move on and, and sort of stop being so um, narcissistic and, and write about something completely outside myself. But I've gotten over that and, and sort of accepted that, no, this is my area that I'm into. This is my, this is the work that I want to do. And so I'm letting, yeah, I'm just letting those obsessions guide me and it feels really good. Amazing. Yeah, I'm guessing, I mean, during COVID as well, it's crazy how much we can't escape from anything. But being able to write and being able to read sounds cliche, but it is the biggest escape of all, really. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. And um, to everyone listening, the paperback version is out now. And yeah, go and get yourself a copy if you haven't already. But just make sure you have, you know, a good 24 hours to yourself (laughs) to get through it thank you so much oh thank you so much Emma